Good morning. That's one of my favorite intros. Anyone ever seen the uh, the Lion King? Anybody? Yep, that was one of my favorite favorite movies when it came out. Uh, that was a phrase uh, by the the old warthog. What was the warthog's name? Anybody remember? Pumbaa, right? And um, he tells, I think Simba, you know, Hakuna Matata. It's like you don't you don't have to worry about your circumstances. You don't have to worry about your your life, and you just say that phrase, and everything. Uh, will be better. And then you leave the movie and you realize that life is sometimes not that simple, right? You can say a lot of phrases and believe a lot of things, but life still uh, hits you. And uh, there are a lot of worries in life. Like one of your worries today is like, will I go into the air if I let go of my chair? Like, will I float? Um, But there's all sorts of things related to to our personal life as well. And today I want to talk specifically about how do we build on the rubble uh, related to our past. And so I realize this setting is different than we're used to. Um, If you're new to Ridgeview, uh, we were in the park for nine months. And uh, this is a reminder of those days where there were weeks just like this where we wondered uh, at what point do we not have the church service because of the wind? And uh, this morning we're moving forward in faith. We realize it's distracting. We realize also that there's there's kids, and you guys usually are in kid zone, but we decided just to kind of keep all the families uh, together uh, due to the weather. So uh, we're going to make the most of this opportunity, and in the middle of that, uh, we do have faith that God speaks to us, even in the middle of things that may not be ideal. And today, we're going to dig into God's Word, and we're going to talk specifically about how do we make progress uh, despite experiences that we've had. Uh, if you are a, a kid and you're not used to listening to somebody like myself speak to you, something God may want to do is actually speak to you today. Uh, That's what God does. Um, As we hear his word, uh, he has a way of speaking to us. And so my aim is to make it make sense to even you kids in a way that that God can use that uh, in in your life. So uh, let's dig in. Um, I think one of the things that's very difficult in life beginning again is related to our past. And uh, even as a a youngster, if you're a kid, there's probably things that you've done that you got in trouble for. Any kid ever gotten in trouble here today? Anybody? Yeah. Any adult ever gotten in trouble before, right? Probably all the hands will be raised uh, because we've all faced things that we've done that got us into trouble, bad decisions, mistakes that we've made. But as you get older, uh, sometimes the stakes are higher in our decisions, Uh, There's things that we do, there's things that we say that can actually really have an impact on us. And I just want to highlight some of those things uh, specifically that tie us uh, to our past, uh, our our failures, tie us to the past, the things that we uh, wish that we did differently, but we didn't, just things that we failed in. Failure is something that can really uh, plague us, kind of like a shadow. It's like wherever we are, our failures are there. Anybody struggle with failure? I know I do. Like you, you just don't want to make mistakes. You don't want to keep doing maybe the same things that you've always done. So failures are something that, that we struggle with. And then we can also struggle with, with guilt. Um, this is like beyond our failures, but things that we've done that we know we've messed up in, but like we can't get past it. Like we, we just feel guilty because of things related to our, our life. So these, these are all things that we've done. We all have regrets, young and old. There's also things that happen to us in life, like circumstances, where they can also cause problems for us. Uh, Things that are done to us, 
we can experience pain caused by somebody else. Somebody wronged us in a certain way and we can experience bitterness. Bitterness sometimes is not connected to our guilt and it's not connected to our failure. It's just connected to something that was, has happened. And bitterness is real. Bitterness is more than a shadow. Bitterness is like a, it's kind of like a poison. Something that you can experience on the inside and it can cause a lot of problems. And bitterness is something that we, we all must deal with. Um, and beyond bitterness, uh, there's also just loss. All of us have lost something in life. Now, kids, have you ever lost a toy and you can't find it? Anyone? Have you ever found a toy that you lost? Where did you find it? Yell it out. Under the bed. Anyone else can relate. I lost it and behold, it was under the bed or in your closet or in a drawer or downstairs in a bathroom. It could be all sorts of places. But, but loss is something, uh, you know, if you lose something that you own, um, it, it can hurt. But sometimes you can experience loss, again, done to you where there, there's pain that, that you've experienced. Maybe you've lost somebody that you love. Maybe you've lost somebody uh, dear to you. Maybe you've lost a dream or a goal, something that you hoped would happen. And that's beyond a toy that you can lose. This is something that you actually, inside of you, you have loss. And so all of these things, failures and guilt, bitterness and loss, these are things that actually we struggle with. We, we all do from young uh, to old. Uh, the good news is uh, God gives us help. But sometimes when we don't reach out to God for help, we try to kind of overcome our guilt and overcome our bitterness and overcome our loss by ourselves. Uh, one of the ways we do that is we, we want to keep achieving and seeking accolades. Like we, we don't feel like we measure up. And so we, we keep trying to earn favor with others. Uh, we try to make sure we please people by what we do in our decisions. A second is we just run from it. We have pain, we have loss, and we don't want to deal with it through maybe self-effort. We deal with it by just acting like it didn't happen. Kind of like the lost toy that's under your bed that you can't see. When there's bitterness, when there's loss, you just kind of shove it under your bed and act like, you know, it, it's not there. But I want to encourage all of us today with the hope that we have in a relationship with Christ. And if you're not yet a follower of Christ, this will give you a picture of the life that he offers for those who follow him. And it's actually a very different outlook on our past as we look back. Yes, there can be failure and yes, there can be guilt and yes, there can be shame. There can be loss and there can be bitterness. But we actually, because of God's help and the promises that he gives us, we can move forward into our future, not anchored to our past. We don't have to ignore it. It still happened, but there's actually hope. And so I want to just share briefly how Christ followers can have a new outlook on our past. And I'm going to share from the book of 2 Corinthians, which is written by a man named Paul. And Paul wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. He had a lot of really helpful ideas for what it means to follow Jesus despite hard things. He himself faced many hard things. He was put in prison. He was beaten. He had a very hard life, but he trusted God and he followed him. And he shares how the things that have happened in his life, uh, he has to have a certain perspective on. Things that he's done that he regretted. I don't know if you knew this, boys and girls, if you're younger, but Paul, who wrote a lot of the Bible, actually hated Jesus when he was younger. And he hated Christians. 
and God got a hold of his life and he changed and he loved Jesus and he loved Christians. And that's what happens with Jesus. He allows you to live a completely different life, like a U-turn. You change directions. What he's sharing is despite the hard things that he's done, the things that he regrets, decisions that he's made, and despite the things that have happened to him, which have given him a lot of pain, he shares this perspective in 2 Corinthians 5.16. He says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. What he's saying is the old way that I always related to people, the old way that I always judged people, the old way that I always tried to measure up myself, compare myself to others, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to just keep using my own reflexes and my own resources. I want to do life a different way. And I can because of Christ. And so he says, I don't want to do that anymore. Then he says, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, he himself, remember, he didn't like Christ at all. He didn't believe in him. He didn't think he was real. He thought he was an enemy. And then he says, we regard him thus no longer. So the one view we had of comparing and measuring up and judging and being evil and rude and mean, he, he doesn't want to do that anymore. And so the idea is, no matter how long you've lived a certain way, this is the good news, you can change. No matter how many times in your past you've messed up, you can move on beyond that. No matter how many times people have wronged you and you've struggled with that bitterness and you've struggled with that loss and not being where you want to be, you can move forward. You don't have to stay stuck uh, forever. And that is great news. We don't have to be chained to our past. And then he goes on in the next verse and he gives a promise and he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So this picture of a new creation, how many of you guys know caterpillars? Anyone know what a caterpillars look like, right? What do caterpillars turn into? Butterflies, right? How many of you would prefer to be a caterpillar or a butterfly? Caterpillars? Boys will raise their hand. Okay, all the boys for sure. Uh, butterflies? Anyone? Yeah. So the, the picture is, is without Christ, uh, we all lived like a caterpillar kind of life. Like, do caterpillars have wings? Can they fly? Can they? No. Some of you are like, I don't remember that from my science class. I don't know if I can answer that, but they don't. They, 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 they crawl on the ground like they're just kind of in the grass and the mud. It's a dirty life as a caterpillar. But then a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, which now has wings and flies, and it's, and it's actually beautiful. Butterfly is one of the most beautiful things you could see. And what Paul is saying is when you decide to follow Christ, everything that you've always done and the experiences that you've always had, although they happened and they were real, you don't have to live that life anymore. Something new can happen. And I think that's the greatest promise we can have related to our past. Even if you're young and you feel guilty a lot or you feel like you mess up a lot and you can't please your parents or you can't please your teacher and you can't get ahead and the same with us as adults. The promise of Christ is that, that we can be made new. We can become something beautiful. And the old has passed away is actually saying that the old ways that we've related, the old ways that we've tried to measure up, the, the old ways that we've tried to please people and make sure that, that we're okay. What Christ has said is like, you're okay because I've declared it, not because you've earned it. You're okay not because of how you look or how you talk or your intelligence or all the things that you've done, you're, you're good because I've, I've said it so. And so that's the promise. No matter what's happened to us, 
we can't experience a new life. And I think that's one of the greatest treasures we have as Christians. And if you're exploring what it means to follow Christ, this is one of those things that you have to hold on to. Like if that's real, that can change your reality. You can move past your past if that's true. And then Paul goes on in verse 21, the reason why we can became, become new. Because we can't become new just because we say hakuna matata or believe it in our heart. We can't become new from earning it. We can't become new because we wish upon a star. What Paul says is, verse 21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, whatever ties us to our past is usually connected to sin. Boys and girls, do you, do you know what sin is? Anyone want to say, what, what's sin? Somebody yell it out. Something bad, is that what you said? Yeah, something that we do that's bad. Enemy thoughts, that's sin. Yeah, believing thoughts that are not true. Doing anything wrong is sin. Sin is usually what ties us to our past, right? If we've experienced uh, things that people have done against us, they could have sinned against us. That's where bitterness comes from. That's where loss can come. If we experience guilt, that's usually because of sin that we've done in our past. Failure, that's because of where we feel like we've messed up and we could have. All of that's connected to sin. And like we talked about last week on Easter, you can't pay for sin yourself because what the, the scriptures say is like we're, we're dead. But this new creation is made alive. And the reason is, is because Christ, who knew no sin, became sin. That, that is, he took the sin and he paid for the sin so that we don't have to be chained uh, to our past. And it says, so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. This is where the picture becomes complete. Not only are we no longer chained to our past, but Christ has created a new future for us. So the picture of building on the rubble is true. You can look back in your life and there's a lot of regret and there's a lot of rubble. Like there's a lot of destruction. It's hard to build on the rubble. But what Paul is saying is, if you become the righteousness of God, you're not building on the rubble with all of the loose gravel and rocks. You're building on the rubble with a new foundation that's been laid. And the new foundation is the righteousness of Christ. That is, we can be right now before God, despite everything done to us and despite everything we've done. And so I want to just talk briefly about how to build on the rubble. So if you've blown it, and all of us can agree that we've made mistakes and we've blown it, Again, you can't just move past those things. We have to deal with it rightly. And so if you've blown it in your life, uh, accept responsibility and confess your sin. Boys and girls, I want to encourage you at a young age, if you mess up, so you could be really young, you could be junior high, you could be high school, and to us old adults, if you can learn at a young age to accept responsibility for the bad decisions you make, you're going to actually have a good life. The thing is not feeling bad about it or feeling guilty. It's realizing that I can feel and experience forgiveness. And so if you've blown it with the, something that you've done, accept responsibility and confess my sin. One of the things in our home that we do is we sin a lot. Any other families relate to that, right? Let's just admit, we, like we sin a lot. We, we, we speak to each other in, in a way that's not helpful. We relate to each other sometimes in, in a way that's not helpful. We say things and we don't follow through. We break our word. There's all sorts of sin that happens in family life. 
There's sin that happens at work. There's sin that happens everywhere that we relate to people. But one of the things that we can do that can actually free us from our mess ups is when we accept responsibility. And so to confess means like, I agree with God that that was wrong. Uh, Last week, uh, a week ago, I was coaching soccer. I coached my son's team. And uh, these are like 10 and 11 year olds, almost 12. And any of you ever been involved in like youth sports? It's amazing how you can go from like calm and collected to crazy man or woman really quick. It's just something about it. It's like youth sports. Like this is like, this is not professional in any way. And uh, we were playing and I, on the sideline, I just got a little frustrated with one of my players. And I was like telling him to do something in an exasperated way. And it was happening, but it was like in the, one of those moments where I just was in the moment. If you make decisions in the moment, those usually aren't good if the moment's not good. And it was stressful and, you know, it was like my future was on the line, even though it wasn't one bit, but it felt like that. And so, you know, we're playing and I just was, was, was like harsh with this player. So later that, that day, I, I just was kind of in a quiet moment and God just said, like, you were, like, you, you wronged him. Like you, you were harsh. And then like I was mulling on it. I was like, yeah, I I was a little fired up. That was kind of my half ownership. I was a little excited. That was my justification. And then God just wasn't letting me off the hook. He's like, no, you you crossed the line. I was like, oh, are are you sure, God? Usually in those moments, as I try to like wrestle, I I realize God is, is helping me. He's pointing out sin. And so I, I got in contact with his dad and I said, hey, I, you know, I wronged your son by the way I spoke to him. And uh, he didn't respond. And then you're like, oh, man, it's really bad. It's even worse than I thought. He's going to ignore me. Or somebody said he's coming over. Hopefully not. But then I saw him in person. And for him, he, he, he didn't seem like it, it was a big deal. But then I talked to his son. I said, you know, I, the other day at the game, I was, I was yelling and I, I crossed the line, you know, will you <laughs> Ridgeview at the park? Um, you know, will, will, will you forgive me for that? And do you remember I did that? I asked him and he said, yeah, I do. And the look on his face, like I could tell that like it had bothered him. The reason I say this is it's one of those things that Probably in me, most things, I just wanted to ignore that and act like it didn't happen. But if you wrong somebody and you don't deal with it, especially if God brings it to your attention, then the relationship really stalls out with that person. And you actually don't grow because you're not dealing rightly with sin. And so I, I had to ask for forgiveness. And that's the second thing. You, you, you need to accept responsibility and confess to God first. And then you need to ask for forgiveness. Ask God to forgive you if you've done something against him, something internally within your heart, thought and action, just something that doesn't affect other people. But then if you sin against other people by what you say outwardly, what you do outwardly, then you you need to ask for forgiveness. We live in a time where 
people think that they can do whatever they want and it doesn't impact people. That's kind of one of the mantras of our time. Just do whatever you want, whatever makes you happy. The issue is a lot of times we can do what we want and it may make us happy, but it hurts others. So if we wrong people, we, we need to actually make it right. So if you want to deal with your past, one of the things that it starts with is just accepting the responsibility for the things that you've done that are wrong. As you do that, you're beginning to loosen the chains. Now, it can stay chained up because if it's on your effort, but the way that you loosen the chains completely is you turn to Christ who forgives you and he gives you that new life in him. And that's the third thing is yield to Jesus and keep building into the future. So you can accept responsibility, confess your sin. You need to ask for forgiveness. And then you really need to go to Jesus for help. Like, I need your help. I, I, I need to move past this. Um, as the scenarios keep playing in your mind, I, I, God, will you just forgive me? Help me to keep my thoughts in check. Help me to not keep going into guilt, into shame, into bitterness, to replaying those scenarios again and again. And as you do that over time, and as you draw on his word, and as you pray and ask for help, like God, God will, he'll help you. And so part of the way you build on the rubble is on the new foundation of Christ and his righteousness. And then you begin to build with his help as you accept responsibility for the wrong that you've done. Confess that to God. And as you do that, the scriptures say it's, it's, it's forgiven. What is red with sin, like marred by sin, is, is now white. It's pure. It's white as snow. And so that's what you've done. If, 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 you, if you've blown it, that's what you can do. And then if others have caused, caused damage to you, this, this is... Maybe you've not done it yourself, but somebody's done it to you. Here's our responsibility. You have to forgive them. One of the ways that we're tied to our past repeatedly and we're chained, and we see that shadow, is that we, we haven't forgiven people in our life. I've told you my story a little bit. I just want to briefly uh, share it. But when I was younger, my parents got divorced uh, when I was four. And my dad left, and I didn't really have a, you know, a relationship with him. And there, I think there were some parts in my heart that, that there was like some bitterness and there was a sense of loss. You know, when you're a young kid, you kind of wonder like, why? It's a question like, why did my dad not want to stay? Why did my dad not want to relate to me? And there was a lot of pain involved in that. But when I was 16, God really did a work in my life, and I realized that there were some things that I'd kind of just stuffed into my life, like just stuffed down that I didn't want to deal with related to him. And, and God said, like, you need to forgive your, forgive your dad. You need to forgive him. And I was like, well, I, like, do I? Like, I don't, I don't have a relationship with him. It just, I'm 16. Like, he's a grown man. Like, why, why would I need to do that? And God just said, you know, you need to, you need to take care of that. And so I wrote him a letter. This was old school. You actually had to write letters. Like email did not even exist. You could imagine it. And I wrote him a letter and before God and before him just said like, I, you know, I forgive you for what happened and for our lack of a relationship. And, and the story didn't like take this drastic turn. Like I really still don't have a relationship with my father. And I'm okay with that. My mom remarried. My, my stepfather is now like my, he really is like my dad. And I have a good relationship with him. And it's healthy and God's provided. But I knew that that was like a cross, just sit, like transition in my life where it was like two paths going in a different direction. Either I would forgive or I wouldn't. 
And looking back, I'm so glad that I did because I was released from that just weight on me. You know, that bitterness is, is real. And so there's two facets to forgiveness. And this was helpful for me when I learned this. There's, there's two ways. The first is you make a decision to forgive. Decisional. You, you decide to forgive. And you forgive them before God. And then if you ever have a chance, you let them know that you've forgiven them. You make a decision. Now, we're told that to forgive and forget. But forgiving and forgiving is actually not, not biblical. Like, there's things that we'll never forget. And so you don't have to think, like, I can't forgive unless I can forget. Actually, no, you forgive first. You make a decision. So that's the first facet is you make a decision to forgive and you do it. The second is there's an emotional facet of forgiveness. This facet takes longer because there's things in you that you don't forget and experiences and pain that you, you can decide to forgive, but the emotional scar is still there. So this is where you have to yield to Jesus. It kind of goes back to that. You make a decision and then emotionally before God, you trust that God will heal those wounds over time. It could be months. It could be years. For some, it could be decades. But you make a decision and you forgive and then you trust God for the healing that comes from his righteousness and what he did to forgive us that that, that healing will come. Does that make sense? So if you struggle yourself with your past for the things that you've done, accept responsibility, confess it to God ask for forgiveness, turn to Christ for help. If you never decide to follow Christ, you cannot get past your past because you're building on the foundation of you and it's broken. But if you turn to Christ and you follow him with your life and you surrender to him, you're building on his righteousness. A new foundation is laid. That's the promise we have. And then if you're struggling with things that have done to you, and I know many of you, in this church, dear friends, people that I love. And there are things that you've experienced in your past that are very hard. So when you talk about moving forward, it doesn't mean that that pain is not real. But what it means is like, as I forgive and I make the decision, I'm no longer going to play that scenario in my mind. As that goes on repeat and you get that vision of the wrong done, you just say, God, I, I've, I've forgiven that person. Will you help me not to think about that? And that's where you yield to him and you ask for his help. And that, that takes time. But over time, as you surrender to Christ, he will help you. Here at Ridgeview, we're a bunch of messed up people. And I believe every church in the whole entire world could say that. Now, we don't write that as our mission statement, but it's true. We are messed up. And we all have guilt and shame and loss and failure that we battle. And we all have things that have been done to us that, that hurt. But we don't rest, and our mission's not that we're messed up. It's that we can be made whole through Christ. And that's the promise that we have. Ephesians 4, 31, 32. Uh, this is a great scripture to memorize. It says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. 
This is Paul writing, and he's just saying uh, all of these things are real. Like there's, there is frustration and there is anger, and there are things that we want to do to people to hurt them. It's in all of our hearts. Boys and girls, have you ever wanted to hurt somebody like a sibling? This is like we're having confession right now in front of your parents, right? Like we want to hurt each other sometimes, even at a young age. And sometimes we do. Sometimes we hurt people. And if, boys and girls, you want to hear some of my stories, you can admit, well, maybe not. Don't ask me that after the service. But I do have some stories with my own siblings. But what it's saying is all these things go in your heart, but, but you can put those away. Because that foundation is new now, right? The caterpillar is turned into the butterfly. You now have Christ. And then verse 32 says, this is what you can do instead. All those yucky things that you have in your heart that you want to do to people, words that you want to say, things you want to do to hurt them. It says, be kind to one another. You can actually change the hurt for somebody with kindness. Parents, encourage your kids to be kind. And you encourage them by being kind. Isn't that one of the hardest challenges? We all want our kids to be kind. The question is, are you kind to them? If you heard nothing, you're like, uh-oh, I got that one, right? It's hard to be kind. But if you want your kids to be kind, you have to be kind. And then tenderhearted is like compassionate. Boys and girls, try to see things someone else's way. And same with adults. Like if you see somebody, what they're dealing with, it actually helps you. That's what it means to be tenderhearted, compassionate. I will see it like you see it. That really helps. And then it says forgiving one another as God in Christ uh, forgave you. So Ephesians 4, 31, 32, that'd be a good family verse to memorize. So yield to Jesus. And then the last is just trust God uh, to do good in spite of loss. I just want to speak to some of you who it's maybe not a past issue, maybe not something that you've done, maybe not even something that's done to you. But I know that there's some of you that really would like to see some things in your life that have not happened yet. And that can happen at various stages. We could be in a relationship that we wish was better, and it's not. Uh, we can be in marriages like that. We can be estranged with family, and we wish that it was made whole again. We wish we could have a growing family, and we can't. You may be single, and you want somebody to spend the rest of your life with, and you don't have that yet. There's all sorts of things that we face where we experience the loss of a hope or a dream. One of the things that we want to do as a church family is we want to stand with you and we want to be there with you and we want to walk with you through what you face. And that's not cliche, that's real because in the church community, we need people that will be with us when we feel loss. And there's some of you here that have lost people dear to your life. And even in that, it's hard to know how to move on. And so what God does in the church community he draws us together so that we are really there for one another, praying, checking in, encouraging. That kindness, the tenderheartedness, that's what he wants us, our church to be about. And so I just want to encourage you, if that's you and some things that you're facing, trust God as you're angry, as you're frustrated, as you're disappointed, as you're discouraged. Make a decision to trust him. In his timing, ask him to provide. And even if he doesn't, just tell him that, that you'll still follow him, that you still want to know him. And here's a promise 
2 Corinthians says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. In the middle of loss, that's what we need is, is comfort. Who comforts us in all our affliction. Affliction is problems, pain, all sorts of things that we experience. Then it says, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So in the middle of your loss, God wants to bring comfort to you. And what he does as you're comforted is he'll use you to comfort others. And that's one of the big picture things that's really hard to understand and sometimes it's hard to experience is that God allows some things to happen in your life that he's doing and writing a story and he'll use you to help others. And I think that's part of his goodness. Even in the pain and the cracks, it can become something that God can use. So trust God to do good in spite of loss. I'm going to wrap up. I'm going to invite the band uh, to come uh, back up. But I just want to encourage you on a next step, just building on the rubble of your own life, if that's there. Uh, first is just seeking forgiveness. Uh, if you just, God brought something to mind that you need to seek forgiveness, one of the greatest things that he can do in your life is to take the initiative to do that. Ask forgiveness for something that you've done. Uh, the second is maybe you need to give it. You need to give forgiveness to somebody who's done wrong to you. Is that something that God wants to do in your life? And then third, you just need to accept loss that you're experiencing in faith. Accept it. Trust God in it. Now, we can't talk about the whole measure of our past in a sermon like this. And so if, if you're just stuck and you really need help, uh, here at Ridgeview, we, we want to help you. Uh, we want to be there with you. We want to give you uh, some encouraging friendships and some steps that you can take. And so don't feel like you're stuck or you're alone. Uh, we're a church that exists uh, beyond just one Sunday to the next. We actually want to do life uh, together. And so uh, if you're struggling in any of these areas, like we want to come alongside you. And so please reach, reach out to us. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing uh, back to God. Before, before I do pray, I just want to say a thank you uh, just to all of our volunteers who really stepped up today. Uh, if you volunteered today, could you stand up, raise your hand, let people know just that you're here. Don't be shy. Um, these people came early today, and it was like, hey, let's do church in a hurricane. Okay, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not that bad. But um, there was a lot of flexing today. A lot of, uh, one of our values is having a can-do attitude, like we can do this even though it's hard. And so volunteers, I just appreciate the way that you really stepped up today. Um, it's not easy as your skin tomorrow is chapped and sunburned. Um, God, God will honor that. And so thank you for, for all the work that you've done. And, and for the rest of you, thank you guys for being here. Uh, God uses this uh, even in the middle of sometimes difficult circumstances. So let's pray. Father, we are reminded that we don't have to be chained or slaves to our past, that we can be made new. Even though we've all lived the caterpillar life, you can make us into butterflies that have a new life, that we're, we now can have a new vantage point. We can 
begin to see things differently. And that's not because of us that we're good enough or smart enough or pretty enough, but, but that we're, we're made right because of your son, Jesus. We thank you for his righteousness. We thank you for his sacrifice on our behalf. God, I pray that people here that are just discouraged today, that are struggling, that you will comfort them. And God, use us as people who bring comfort to others. So will you just help us to have eyes to see that and the opportunities before us in the name of Jesus. Amen.